Meredith, do you have control of the Zoom since you were first oh, in? Oh, perhaps. Hmm. Oh. Um, um, where's the record button? Oh, there it is. Please request permission from the meeting host. Fuck. Here we go again. Uh, it's in, it's in Slack, isn't it? Yep. The ghost host. Yep. The ghost host with the most. Uh, and then how do I make myself that? Oh, claim host. There's yeah. a claim host button. I see it. Yep. I am the host. I am the host now. <laughs> Look at me. Scary. From the Sticker Putter Studio in New Brighton, Minnesota, I'm Ann Lundholm, and this show has everything. Idyllic small towns, scrappy sports teams, disaffected youth, cranky cartoonists, and a fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> this week, we're continuing west across America's heartland in our ongoing movie road trip, and we've got a mint condition 1967 Plymouth Belvedere GTX convertible that we borrowed, so we definitely, definitely won't be putting any roadkill in the back seat. And fighting over who gets to ride shotgun are two of my favorite navigators, one of whom would never whack my croquet ball over the fountain in, into the bushes, and one of whom would in a heartbeat. And I'll leave it to you to decide which is which. <laughs> it's not difficult. From the North Rosedale neighborhood of Detroit, Michigan, it's the MVH Meredith Van Harn. What's your damage, Meredith? <laughs> <laughs> I am always pre polite when I'm playing croquet. <laughs> I knew you would be. And from the wilds of Manshack, Texas, it's TG's very own wild thing, just called up from the California Penal League, the jail dude, Mike Frizzell. Holy shnikes, Mike. <laughs> hey, you need help finding your ball? <laughs> Good luck getting some help, because I'm not helping you. <laughs> We've got so much to do on today's show. As always, we'll get started with a bit of small talk and check to see what's in the mailbag. We'll find out your Silver Linings Plaguebook entries, talk about our latest batch of movies, offer some Tishi recommendations, if we can think of any of them. We'll do some housekeeping that's at least on the level of Harvey P. Carr's apartment and let you know how Oof. you can get involved with the show. I know, that apartment just made my it's shoulder a rough watch. itch every time. It's like, for God's sakes, just dust. <laughs> well, let's get into it. Mike, you have uh, an important scholarly article you need to read to us? I do. This is from the fake news Washington Post. Uh, oh, it came out uh, a couple hacks. weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, I heard they're I the enemy have... of the people. Is that true? <laughs> it's owned by uh, by the most evil person on the planet, and and it's all lies. Um Wait, but, uh, Elon Musk bought the Washington Post? Cool. Uh, yes, he did this morning. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned on the show. I know that you all know that uh, Emily threw out our economic stimulus. No, um, that's because you <laughs> talked about it on the Lost Boston show. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. She shredded it. 
Um, she shredded your $1,200 check, right? $2,400. $2,400. Oh, God. And it wasn't a Whoops. check. See, here's the backstory on this. Everyone, up until, we, we didn't get our stimulus until pretty late. Like, we were like, oh, are we going to get this? And I had to do the research and make sure, yeah, yeah, we're entitled. We're going we're gonna to get this. We barely qualified to get all of it. You know, we were just under the whatever the fucking limit was. So because I didn't work full time the year that they were in, we were going to get the whole thing, 2400 So uh, it was taking a long time, taking a long time, and, and we just figured it'll come when it comes. And if not, we'll we'll file something and figure it out. Well... We got, we got something in the mail, and let me read this article. <clears throat> the 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 headline is: You might have thrown out your stimulus payment. Treasury is sending a letter to tell you how to get it back. Um, this is uh, Michelle Singletary. Uh, so many Americans thought a prepaid debit card. See, they had been sending out checks. Nobody. I watched the news because I'm not a kid, and I would have known. Had the administration said, we're switching to debit cards. So watch out for a debit card. No, there I was never not heard a that. Peep about this. No. I got a yep. check and I think everybody else in the chat got a check. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because we were late, this, this program, quote unquote, had started to happen. <clears throat> so many Americans thought a prepaid uh, debit card they received was a scam or junk mail that Treasury is sending out letters urging people to activate the cards which were loaded with their stimulus payments. You know, that would be helpful had we not already shredded it like <laughs> two months ago. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The, the letter also tells people how to collect their money if they tossed the payment out by mistake. It wasn't much of a mistake, really. And, and I'll get to that. Uh, to speed up the delivery of up to 1200 uh, in economic imp- impact payments to individuals and up to 2400 for couples made available under the $2 trillion coronavirus aid relief and economic security cares act. The treasury department mailed prepaid debit cards to 4 million Americans. The cards sent in May and June were issued by MetaBank. Either one of you heard of MetaBank? Totally sounds real. (laughs) Yeah, that's not made up. Not made up at all. And came in a plain envelope from money network cardholder services. There was no indication on the envelope that the correspondence was coming from the IRS or Treasury. The problem was that the pre, that the payment recipients were expecting a check or a direct deposit to their bank account. Yeah, we we filed through I think I think H and R Block, so we couldn't get the direct deposit, so we we're expecting a check. People didn't get any communication that they would be getting a debit card instead. So when the cards arrived, they thought it was junk mail. Others who had never heard of MetaBank thought it was a scam. Quote, Ideally, the IRS would have given people a choice about receiving their payment on a prepaid card to avoid this confusion, but I understand they were trying to get as many payments out as quickly as possible and using the prepaid card added to their capacity, said some asshole from the National Consumer whatever. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> they're, not, they're not assholes. Like so, That's what yeah, Elon how, Musk would write, though. <laughs> how about... How about uh, how about uh, getting out in front of this? I don't need to hear this two months after we've thrown out the fucking check. Uh, like so many other glitches that have plagued the distribution of the stimulus payments, in part because the IRS had been short-staffed during the pandemic, communication has been woefully lacking. Confusion about the debit cards led the IRS to issue a release explaining the prepaid debit cards, blah, 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 <sighs> mailing more than 788 
thousand letters. So th- this is seven hundred eighty-eight thousand people who didn't activate this card. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to read the rest of the article, but what, what, what I will tell you is that there, there's the MetaBank thing. There was the envelope with no IRS, no Treasury, no nothing, and because Emily doesn't have my last name. The only place her her name appears as Emily Frizzell is in my phone, and that's a joke that she put in. So the 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 card came addressed to Emily Frizzell. So, I mean, there was just no way she wasn't going to shred this card and all of this stuff because she doesn't even let stuff with our home address out, go out in our recycling. She's that paranoid about that stuff. So, come on now, this was a. <laughs> I think this was intentional, mm-hmm. and I think it was to to cheat people out of their money because Emily is jumping through a lot of hoops, and we still don't have that money, and we're not going to have it for a while. Hmm. So they saved a lot of money because people just give up after a while. It's like health insurance. It's like your yep. your medical mm-hmm. bills or something. You make about 10 phone calls, and then you're like, fuck it. You know, I have $1,000. I'm just going to pay this because I this is making me nuts. Here, Mike. That's what you told me anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> I need to turn off my it's phone. It's talking now. back to you now. <laughs> I was getting so worked up, my phone is worried about me. All right. I'm I have off. beef with the IRS still, and I don't know if I've told this on the show or not, but briefly, they called me out of nowhere, which, like, avoiding scams 101 is that the IRS doesn't just call you. Right. No, they send you a letter. Right. They did not. So I get a phone call when I was at work and they were like, this is the IRS. And I was like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) And I understood Uh what they were. It was about when I had liver surgery, I was on short-term disability and there was a little bit of an overpayment and it spanned over the uh, the new year. So it was complicated and I had to pay it back, but they didn't tell me how much and blah, blah, blah. So I understood what the problem was and it was just needing to get sorted out. So I knew I needed to talk to the IRS, but I was like, I don't know who you are. So how about I call you right back? Like, let me look Mm -hmm. up the actual number for the IRS and I'll call you right back. I promise. And I did. And it took, you know, five or six rounds of phone calls to figure this out. And they gave me a hard time every time I called. And the last person I spoke to who was like more of a human being than anybody else said, you know, I just got to let you know there's a note on your account that you were difficult on the first contact. (laughs) (laughs) like okay that explains it <laughs> difficult i mean difficult for trying not to just give my social security number to some rando who calls me on the phone yeah yeah that's not difficult that's just careful i yeah. mean yeah I, I i looked at this thing by the way emily didn't shred it without showing me i looked at it and and i said this seems to be something but i don't know what it is you know why wouldn't IRS or Treasury or anything appear on there? And why why can't we get a check? What am I supposed to if I if I'm renting? What am I supposed to do with a debit card? Oh oh here here uh, landlord, just run my my Visa debit card. <laughs> here my is my plastic payment. Well, some people can pay their rent online, but that's dubious. And sometimes those things don't work for stuff like that. Like yeah. not all these prepaid cards work for paying bills. Yeah, so it's a cash. pretty terrible idea to begin with. But I guess I, my only question is like, what bad would come of it? Like the, the card isn't going to like steal your identity. 
Oh, you mean like if we just went out and tried to use yeah. it or something? Yeah. Um, I just don't think that's ever a consideration for Emily. She's yeah. so paranoid about that stuff. It's just, that's trash. Yeah, Emily Frizzell? No. She doesn't exist. But okay. I, I guess they just took our tax return and, you know, I think her name was first and then my name was last. <laughs> So they they threw out all the stuff in the middle, like her actual last name and my actual first name, and uh, and and made it Emily Frizzell. You and, have become uh, a, a blended organism. It's uh, it's what happens it, in marriage. I've heard a blended organism that's lacking the twenty four hundo <laughs> that uh, we, should, we should have. Well, now I did something. I almost did something sort of similar. And I don't even have the excuse of a weird unlabeled debit card from MetaBank, but I almost recycled my ballot for the primary that came. because It it was a weird-looking envelope. You know, like any good liberal, I went online in the beginning of July and put in an application for a ballot, as we have to do here in Minnesota, and they're like, okay, great, here's a link you can check in at any time, and after, like... I don't know, a month close to, I thought, this is weird that it hasn't come. And I went and I looked at the link and they're like, delivered on July 17th. And I thought, well, fuck. <laughs> and it turned out I had not taken the recycling out, the paper recycling, because oh. I don't need to do it every two weeks. And so I went through and I went through every single piece of paper that I'd put in my recycling bin and voila kind of junky mail looking oversized envelope that had the ballot stuff and it was labeled important don't throw away your ballots inside but i don't just don't pay that much attention to the junk mail you don't want to give it that much attention just Mm -hmm. toss it so i rescued it and i I voted so it all turned out well but i could have sent it off to the recycle center I'm so afraid of doing that that I open envelopes addressed to Vav Gregory, which is something oh. that has happened at this house. How about our friends at, and then your address? You open those ones? No. Or for- no. Or current resident, those always get yep. tossed, too. What is Don O'Neill mailing you something? My good friends <laughs> over at 910, whatever drive. So, so, so many people want to help me like refinance my mortgage or... Whatever. My vehicle warranty is so expired. Yep. Or think that oh my I should God. Those have switch been my insurance. It's terrible. Well, we don't have the money. It's There's no... Uh, I, I think we got the letter, um, which is really helpful. That letter. Mm-hmm. you know, Thanks for the letter, guys. I guess I won't How ask you for that money? 24 hundo I was going to try to borrow. She's been on hold. She has called. She's been like spent mornings because they couldn't put... Department of the Treasury on a mm-hmm. fucking envelope. Like, like I mean, when you get a check from the government, it's obvious that it's a check. So why not make it obvious that this is a debit card from the Yeah, government? put like a stars and stripes on the front of the card something. or something. Well, you know how many like scammy ads or credit card solicitations have a fake credit card in them? You feel yep. something like that yeah. and you're just like, nah, nope. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cut those up. All those yeah. stupid fake credit cards. I- yeah. Cut them and trash them because I'm so afraid. See, I would have known it was from this administration if it had arrived with the stars and bars on it. You know, like the Civil War. Yeah, I, would have, I mean, I I'm surprised. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the government. It didn't have a screen of his signature. I know. How did this get by him? 
how how are we supposed to know that he was responsible for for this money if mm-hmm. his name wasn't all over it? This is a missed branding opportunity. I know. What a I can't believe it. So that's it for small talk. Well, I'm sorry that you didn't get stimulated, Mike. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> believe me, I'll let y'all know when I do. All right, let's go on to the mailbag. Um, we got a couple of good, actually not mail mail um, that I want to highlight, although we did get some mail mail. On Facebook, on our show post, listener Carolyn explained the blue clenditioner for Mike. This was mm-hmm. something that you were really confused about, the cleansing clenditioner, whatever. The clenditioning and we of were, America. Yes, we were unsure exactly what that entailed. And Carolyn said that she it's something that she uses to maintain the blue color in between coloring appointments. That's and so she cool. does have really oh, cool, funky yeah. blue hair. She does. So, so it's, like, not, it's not an actual dye. It's no. just something that's as gentle on whatever dye that you have in there? Yep. That, keeps, okay. keeps it perked up, I think. Got it. Got it. And then also uh, regarding our Amazon purchases list, Renee posted the best video <laughs> on the show post where she revealed herself as the purchaser of the chair, 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 chair. <laughs> and we got to see it in action. It's cool. In her daughter, Macy's room. Guys, I'm a little embarrassed. I made a sex joke about the chair yeah. for her teenage daughter. <laughs> yep. That's, but that's you, Anne. You couldn't it was have very known. on brand for you. Sure. We were sure. having a time during that show. It's okay. I yeah. was. I was. Got a little amped up. <laughs> you know, it's wherever you are during that time in a lady's that's cycle. Right. Yep. Watch yourself. But it's a very cool, fun-looking chair that I certainly would have loved to have. Yeah, it looks oh, great. Yeah. I mean, when I was Macy's age or when I'm yeah. my now age, that would be great. Except except now I'm heavy enough that the netting weaving thing would leave imprints on the backs of my legs and my buttocks. Oh, that's always been a th- yeah, that definitely would. That's that's a problem I have with sitting in those woven uh like lawn chairs. Mhm. Yeah, I I have I've had a couple moments where like I've had an afghan on my lap and I've had like my laptop over the afghan and I will go to get up and put my legs on and I'll look at the I'll look at my legs and I'll be like, "What the fuck is going on with my skin?" <laughs> oh, I'm <okay>. dying. <laughs> You're all right, though. You're all right. The one that gets me is in the before times when I used to, you know, go for massages regularly. You get after you've been face down in the massage cradle for an hour, you have a ring around your face. Oh, you look right. so wrecked after a massage. Like my face is yeah. always puffy. Yeah. And-, <laughs> and it doesn't subside quickly. No. Right? Uh, like I'll go and run some errands and then look in the mirror when I get home an hour later and I'm like, God damn it. I walked around the grocery store like oh, this. Man. I, I don't uh, I don't get massages very often. I think I've had one or two. But um, the equivalent to me was... Like you would go play ball for like three or four hours and then take a shower and then try to do some things afterwards. But you don't stop sweating for like nope, 45 right. minutes yep. to an hour. So you took the shower. You're like, all right, let's go about our day. And then people just see you in the grocery store, just sweat still pouring off. You're like, what the fuck is up with this guy? You're like, I'm active. <laughs> I'm an active person. I'm an active guy. We'll get to that quote. Yeah. 
Uh, well, let's go along to the question of the week last week, which is something that you hope doesn't return when we get back to normal. Wow, this struck this struck a nerve. <laughs> it like, certainly amazing. Did. We have so many answers. I want to try and just whip through a whole bunch of these. Um, Let's see. Accumulating interest on my student loans is tied with inviting the whole class to birthday parties. Mm. That's a theme that's going to continue. We've got shaking hands, blowing out candles on a cake, um, in-person doctor appointments for things that always could have been a phone call, big meetings, uh, huggers. Let's see. Wait, I got to get to purses. Ooh, Carolyn's coming in on purses. I like that. Traffic, more going to the office, people coughing and sneezing into their hands. Well, you shouldn't have been doing that in the before times anyway. (laughs) I'm not giving that up. (laughs) And then at this point in the thread, oh my God, Phyllis Fletcher came in with a vengeance. These are all Phyllis's contributions. She says, Graduation ceremonies, dinner parties, assemblies, concerts, the club, <laughs> figuring out how to split the check, funerals, weddings. Then uh, Sarah popped in with open houses, which Sarah's a realtor, so she has to have open houses. I- I'd like to actually, Sarah, could you get at us and let us know how many um, houses you've sold based on open houses versus private showings? Because I'd be interested to know how worth it those are. Uh, Phyllis continues. Holiday dinners, office parties, work happy hour, parades, spectator sports, science fairs, school plays, <laughs> PTA meetings, fundraising dinners. Let's see. I oh, think Sarah's... Phyllis doesn't like school very much. <laughs> She's got some, oh, some, got some problems. Sarah seemed to really catch Phyllis's vibe. She's got beauty pageants, Republican national conventions, or political <laughs> conventions in general, yep. block parties, company picnics, school trips, lice, grades, standardized tests, church, the bar <laughs> exam, school fundraisers of any kind, mm. cash. <sighs> Take a breath. Um, then down the thread, uh, listener Saska says, I don't have the energy to read the whole thread. <laughs> But my vote is company or division-wide meetings. I don't blame you, Saska. This is going on for a long time. Christy says Thanksgiving, but that's because she's a hater. Yep. Phyllis back with potlucks. Kalina agrees with bras. And then Sarah says, random men telling me to smile. Seems to be over now that I'm masked. I'd be cool if that never comes back. And we have a bunch of ladies oh, yeah. agreeing with that one. Do you know what? I have never had a random man telling me to smile. I was going to ask you all that. I mean, does, is this something that... Oh, I certainly What's have. What's wrong with me? It does? Okay. Am I scary? Do men just think, well, <laughs> I, I generally to her? am scary. I've been told many times that I'm intimidating and have an unapproachable vibe. And I like that. Like, it's usually protective yeah. measure. I like having a force field. But it doesn't stop. So I, I think this is because I used to spend a lot of time walking around, like, downtown and stuff. Um, because it was usually homeless people. Um, oh okay so it Hmm. wasn't just like sometimes it would be somebody just like walking down the street but it was usually like construction workers and i don't mean to like vilify the homeless but i think maybe there's a boundary issue or maybe a mental health issue or something like that you'd be a lot Um, more handsome if you had a home (laughs) 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 yeah so but i definitely got it from you know like construction worker types and and things like that so that's definitely happened to me more. It, do, it doesn't anymore, but I also don't go anywhere. 
Uh, right. <laughs> that would cut down on it. Yeah. I just, I just wonder if so it's because... Someone would have to phone you and <laughs> guess what you're smiling. I wonder if it's because I'm so tall that I'm probably going to be bigger than most of the men who are... They can't oh. see that, that accosting me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe they just look at me and they realize I could, in fact, squish them if yeah. I wanted to. So maybe they better not. I don't know. Yeah, I think if I were that kind of creep, I'm a, I'm a certain kind of creep. I'm not that kind of creep. But if I were, I definitely would would stick with uh, victims. You know. Ah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I used to I used to walk around a lot, and I would walk to and from work on a rather busy street when I was a teenager, and I got honked at, I got yelled at, all that stuff happened to me constant. I mean, every day when I was a I'm teenager, sorry, man. That's it, awful. it is awful, and it stopped as I got older and was you know didn't happen in college, you know whatever. But I when I well, when I think I, you developed your force field. I mean, yes, you really, that's probably oh why <laughs> you're no bullshit. Yeah, I mean, all y'all, you and Anne and Christy and Emily. I mean. All no bullshit. So, uh, Hillary, there's a little bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the one that sticks out to me the most is is one of my stepdad's friends hollered at me from his truck. And he lived across the street from us. (laughs) That's a terrible sentence. One of my stepdad's friends yelled at me from his truck. I was (laughs) 16. Yes. Looking good, Meredith. (laughs) And then, and then I, yeah, I developed superpowers, and no one ever spoke to me again, and it was great. In a sort of a related thing, I did notice when I was first working in retail, when I was like twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, I had a lot more customers try to push me around, and -hmm. it's something that I noticed also with my young women associates mm. especially is that customers would really try to push them around and you know make them do things that were against policy or whatever and as I got older that really stopped entirely with me and I don't know if it's just that I developed that like air of knowledge like I'm in charge in this place mm-hmm. and you can't push me around or if I just got older and they were just like you know, older women are a tougher. I think they pick target. people that they see yeah. as vulnerable. You know, people mm-hmm. see victims. I mean, if you're if you're someone who preys on people, even on that small a scale, you recognize victims immediately, and you just take advantage. Yeah, I was yep. a teenage girl walking alone down the street. You yeah. know, <laughs> yep. what's the downside to screaming at this right. girl? What's she going to do? Yep. Right. Or some somebody who's in one of their early jobs who's been taught to please the customer. Right. No way. Anne of today does not reward bad behavior. That was something, that was a rule I developed working retail. Bad behavior does not get rewarded. Good. <laughs> no. I'm not doing that to the nice people. If they're going to be nice to me, they're the ones who are going to get rewarded. All oh, right, yeah. let's let's finish up this list with a little bit more um, parenting-related ones. Yeah. <laughs> Phyllis does not like school events. <laughs> um, Christine said, standing around with other random parents at after-school kid pickup, bane of my existence. Uh, Gregory just wants to cut Florida off, a la Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Missy says, smiling, hugging people I don't know, dressing up for work, showering regularly, meeting new people, birthday parties, and most of what Phyllis Fletcher mentioned, <laughs> stifling yawns, crowds, corporate team building events. Uh, oh, my gosh. And then more. Uh, oh, gosh. More comments. I thought I. No, there's. This, this is still list. going. <laughs> we can't yeah. cover all of this. You guys have to drum up the energy to go and read it all because it's wonderful. 
Yep. Uh, Andrea says absent neighbors now that everyone is home. I like seeing neighbors walking, kids playing, and people outside oh, enjoying nice. the outdoors. That's very nice. That's a, like spin a positive out yeah. of this. And the final comment so far is from Scott. He says, I try to share the question of the week with my teenagers. Sometimes they're unclear on the concept. Today's answer was slavery. <laughs> oh, when I, no. <laughs> when I clarified slavery. that well, before times minute. means before COVID, they looked at one another and replied, still slavery. Well, I guess you can't argue with that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, agreed. Yeah. I'm sure there are some people that would like to bring it back. Uh, after, there certainly are. <laughs> and there are different forms of slavery. So that are still definitely, certainly. definitely but, happening. Uh, but I, I like this uh, global thinking from Scott's kids. Mm. So I'm afraid we're never going to see Phyllis again. Because, I mean, she, everything short of, like, blinking <laughs> or, like, tying her shoes or, I mean... I mean, she didn't she say us specifically, but it's implied. <laughs> right. I didn't see her when I came up uh, for my brother's service uh, because, you know, she's being real careful. Now I realize I'm probably never going to see Phyllis again. Probably. <laughs> Zoom. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, you know, I'm sad Don't about hold that, your breath. Phyllis, but I, I'm, happy, I'm happy that you're finding your, your happy place. Well, Which you're not going to see her at the PTA meetings, that's school, for sure. That's for sure. Not right. at the kid pickup. Everything having to do with kids actually sounds awful, which is one of the reasons I don't have them. Oh, except mm-hmm. they're, they're cool. Kids yeah. So there's the upside, there's the downside. We got one that we put to work every Sunday. He comes over here and does all the heavy lifting. So. Oh, yeah. Well, once they get older. Yeah. Yeah. Once you've lent them a little money, you know, and they have to come over and do stuff right, for you. I mean, right. it, it works out really you well. Skip past the diapers part. Right. Oh, okay. I know we have to move on because we got a lot to talk about. But, but I, on this topic, you know, my mother has been asking me to come over a little bit. She's the only person that I'm not strictly socially distancing from mm-hmm. because, you know, I said once my dad died, my mom's like, woohoo, I can decorate. <laughs> um, I'm glad she's having fun. She's on fire. <laughs> I like it. So she's been asking me to come over once every couple of weeks to like help me put together this table that I bought or mm-hmm. now we have to send it back because it was a piece of crap. So come help me put this new table together mm-hmm. and can you help me put the headboard on And put the tiki my, torches up bed. and, and yeah, get the outdoor exactly. bar going. So a couple of weeks ago, the 28th, was my mom's birthday and my brother Carl sent her her most favorite thing in the world, which is the Dairy Queen cake. He had one delivered to her house. And we were Zooming the other night, the family Zoom, and Carl was asking about the cake. And he said, did you share it with anyone? And my mom's like, nope, Mm -hmm. I ate it all. And he's like, wait, you didn't even have Anne come over for a piece? And my mom said, well, I've asked Anne to come over so many times. I thought maybe she wouldn't want to come over again. And I was like, for a cake? Has she ever yeah. met you? <laughs> what is this? She yeah. just wanted to eat the whole thing herself. That, she that to sounds like a lot. Herself. I mean, wh- I, I'm not familiar with this cake, but I'm sure it's a... You're not familiar a... with the Dairy Queen cake? Not really, no. I guess not. <sighs> Jesus Christ. It's like I don't even know you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I lo- Does I Anne like have to explain Queen everything like to you? Bar? There's a layer of chocolate ice cream on the bottom, and then they do a layer of fudge which with these chocolate crunchies on it. Oh, my God. Then there's a layer of the vanilla ice cream. Then there's a I – don't, I don't know exactly what the frosting is made out of. It's not quite ice cream, but it's probably plastic, but I don't care because it tastes good. It's probably just that powdered sugar. Whatever yeah, it probably is, but it it's – 
delicious. Have you ever tried to reproduce that? I, ice cream cakes are such a pain in the butt to make. I know. Most most recipes are like, buy some ice cream, let it soften up, right. put it you know, in a mold or whatever. And of course, I have to make my own ice cream. But the, the chocolate crunchies is the part that's the closely guarded dairy mm, Okay, so that's a mystery that you can't replicate necessarily. I think Bobby has a 15-pound bag of the chocolate. <laughs> Probably. Well, he, if he doesn't, he will soon. <laughs> he will. There are online hacks, but I'm not interested if it doesn't get real close to the actual thing. I don't mm-hmm. want some pathetic substitution. So yeah. fair enough. we'll see. And my mom was like, Anne, I'll get another cake and you can come over and eat it. And I said, okay, that's how I know you love me. (laughs) They'll share it. She's not going to give it to you. No, I can have a piece. Um, Let's go for medium talk. The reason we're here is to do another edition of our Tishi Summer Road Trip Spectacular. I also call it our our, uh, LRB Summer Road Trip uh, Spectacular. I also call it our our TBTL Summer Road Trip Spectacular. (laughs) But it's actually the Tishi. some initials in there, some sort of acronym. Some show. It's fine. Doesn't matter which one. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it gets to be too much at some point. So the Takedown Podcast, uh, Summer Road Trip Spectacular, occasional <laughs> series. What is your favorite Midwest, East, North, Central film? So now, um, what was our last one? Where were we last? Uh, Detroit. Detroit. Okay, Detroit. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't on that one. So. Um, uh, I missed so, Detroit. So say that. Say the give the title again of the area. Oh, um, let's see. Uh, the Midwest, East, North, Central. So well, I Clear guess what we're, we're we're looking at uh, like the uh, Indiana, Ohio, um, what Wisconsin? Wisconsin. What's what's and the non Chicago, Illinois? Chicago, of course, has to get its own show. Yeah, it has to have so. its own show. Yeah. Okay. So. So that's that's the uh, that's the conceit, and uh, we came up uh, with uh, five movies. Mm-hmm. The most would we call this like the Northern Rust Belt? Maybe yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very rusty. It's a very minus rusty Michigan. Vibe. Yeah. So the movies that that uh, we came up with. Do we want to list them all out front, or do we just want to go no. through them? Let's just dive okay. into it. Okay. Well. Should I uh, apologize to Gregory beforehand? Yeah, please. I don't Let's think you need to apologize. He was very excited about this, though, and he made me a Google Doc list of Ohio movies. Well, okay, I won't apologize to him. I'll tell him he's wrong. Okay. Because he insisted that someone should choose traffic because it's very much a Cincinnati, Ohio-centered movie. And I was like, well, I haven't seen traffic, but I, I'm willing you know, one of those things I've always meant to see. Oh, and I started Soderberg watching movie. it I'm, I'm and I was like, wait a minute, I have seen this. I just completely forgot about it. And it's not an Ohio movie. It's set in four different locations. It's Ohio, D.C., San Diego and Tijuana. Mm-hmm. And so it's at most a 25 percent Ohio movie. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, no, Gregory, no. Yeah, we have too many movies that are actually just centered in these places so we can't really just just because there's some scenes ohio is used like as a anywhere usa yeah kind of place so it's this was actually kind of difficult yeah yeah yeah. because there there's so much material to choose from but how much of it really represents about ohio Mm -hmm. yeah and that leads me to my first selection which is a 2003 movie uh called american splendor and i think it 
is probably the most ironically named film of <laughs> yeah. all time. Um, or, you know, the comic was as well. Uh, it's a story of uh, Harvey P. Carr, uh, indie comic phenomenon. Um, could not draw, but uh, but was a very bitter uh, person who had a lot I of... I had no idea he couldn't draw. <laughs> I thought he was a cartoonist. Yeah, I think when you hear the name, you just associate it with cartoons and you, and you well, think, yeah. you know, the guy's got to be a cartoonist well not at all couldn't be any further from the truth he was not a cartoonist but he he just had really funny awful thoughts and he was a writer he was a writer he's a writer so it was made for two million which i was surprised because it's a very rich looking movie i would have guessed it would have taken five million dollars to shoot this movie but um my my guess is the leads didn't take a lot of money on this, which were Hope Davis and uh, Paul Giamatti. Um, so, so it got made very cheaply <clears throat> and it's not as much a film as it is kind of an art piece, like because mm-hmm. it's based on the life of this comic book legend. Every, if you freeze frame this, like I was watching on Amazon and I'd have to go do something. I'd freeze it. Every frame is a piece of like graphic art. It's uh it's really interesting and it's it's not pretty because it's uh it's it's set in Cleveland and just not a great part of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cleveland in the 70s and 80s too, which gritty is really not not a great. I mean, famously the Cuyahoga River caught fire right in the 70s <laughs> right. because it was so polluted. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um yeah, uh my one of my best friends uh, Jeff, he's from Cleveland and and uh he uh, he understands. He understands. We've talked about this movie. He's saying, "Yeah, that was it. That was Cleveland. They got it." Mm-hmm. Um, but the it's just a very intricately constructed film because they use a lot of found footage, like real footage from the Letterman Show, and and uh, from um, MTV. And it's they really had to match the actors to the real life people because the real life people were going to be in this, this uh, morph of a documentary and a, and a biopic. <clears throat> so it's a really interesting movie. It's not, you know, it's not the, it's not a fun thrill ride. It's not a magical thing. And, and it's not something that, that, uh, <laughs> it's pretty dark and sad. <laughs> It, in a lot of ways. It is. It is. But but there's a, a really great ending to it. Um, yeah. It's, we'll get to that. It's about sort of the the minutia of this socially awkward person and his socially awkward peers and how they move through the world and their sort of big and small challenges and how they deal with them. And I, when you said you were like, I picked my second movie, American Splendor, and I was like, which one was that? And I went and looked it up and I was like, ah, shit. Because (laughs) I've never wanted to see American Splendor. I don't know if it's the, you know, the era of social change in which we're living in, but I find that I have very little patience for like another drama about an unremarkable man who, you know, thinks that the world should be focused on him. The whole like Woody Allen-ness of it all. Right. Um, but I ended up really enjoying the movie in a way mm. that I hadn't expected. It and sneaks up on you. 
even though it's, you know, it's not full of big set pieces or action or drama or anything, I, it was very absorbing and very interesting the whole time. And I felt that he ended up being a much more sympathetic character than, say, Woody Allen is in any of his movies because Woody Allen always has that sense of entitlement. Yeah. Like, the world treats me like crap, but I deserve to be adored. And you didn't get that with Harvey Picar. He was like, well, this is, you know, the way the world is for people like me, kind of. And he seemed to like people more than Woody Allen really likes people. Well, the most interesting um, arc in this is how, how at the beginning... He has lost his voice. He's losing his voice. He won't stop ranting. He won't stop talking. Um, and no then, wonder his wife left him. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was not down for this plebeian lifestyle anymore. Um, <laughs> so he, he wants to become a cartoonist because his friend R. Crumb is a cartoonist. And he's like, I think I can do this. So he sits down and he's drawing stick figures and, it, and he's getting really frustrated. And he just decides, I'm, I'm not going to draw. I'm going to write. So he just writes some thoughts and then he shows them to his friend, R. Crumb, who's going to, who looks at them and looks at them. And you're just wondering, does he think this is bullshit? I mean, what is he going to say? And he eventually says, these are really good. And right then, Harvey, who's lost his voice, gets it back. His physical voice. Mm -hmm. So he's he's found his creative voice. What did it mean? and, And now he's got his actual voice back. So... That was uh, <clears throat> that was a nice piece of heavy-handedness that I needed to understand <laughs> where this movie was going. Um, Paul Giamatti, not a conventionally handsome man. Oh, my God. But, uh... I was thinking about that this whole time. Interesting, though. Paul Giamatti only looks unattractive on screen, I think, because everybody else is so phenomenally good-looking. Like, when I looked at the real Harvey... And then I looked at Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti is so appealing and charismatic yeah. compared to the real dude. But yeah. he always it, like, he oh. also always plays these like sad sack. Yeah, losers, he's really you know drawn to that yeah. for sure. And he has no vanity in any of his right. projects. Yeah, it's God the best. bless him. Yeah. My favorite movie of his is actually Win Win, if you guys haven't seen that. It's another sports movie, but anyway, mm-hmm. um have not. The, my my favorite Giamatti in this whole thing was not anything that was in the script, but uh, Harvey and uh, and his his friend uh, Toby Radloff, mm-hmm. the real guys were at the craft table and they were like uh, eating jelly beans. Yes, and you see in the background like Paul Giamatti's just busting up, watching yep. these guys do their thing, which he and and. Uh, and uh, Friedlander is yeah, Joe yeah, Friedlander, unrecognizable. They they have been working on these guys. I mean, just working on them, working on them. And then you see how well they've captured them yep. when they're in the background watching these guys eat jelly beans, and they're and and Paul Giamatti's like, oh my fucking god, these guys. Yeah, you know when you first see Judah Friedlander come on as Toby, and I was like, really, are we? doing this this voice this yeah. speech is how we're we're gonna yeah it seems portray insulting this, it seems like, like guy on the spectrum and then you see the real guy and you're like oh oh that's why. oh he nailed it yeah this, i i mean i thought that it was really one of the more interesting arcs was sort of a harvey 
Harvey's insistence that Toby was not part of the group that he thought he was a part of. You know, he wanted to be a cool nerd, oh. like in Revenge of the Nerds. And he was like, right. no, that's not you. You're not in that group. And then that got demonstrated when they got popular. And all of a sudden, Toby's on MTV being the cool nerd party spring break guy. And Harvey knows that. Yeah. Harvey knows that they're laughing at him. Mm -hmm. He's not part of the group. He's being there to be mocked. And then I think eventually he realizes that that's who he is on Letterman. He's there to be mocked as an oddity. And that's why he's like, I'm not playing this game anymore. And he basically burns it all to the ground. I thought that was very interesting. It made me think of like, I think every high school probably had one or two people, kids who were like intellectually disabled. I'm sorry. I don't the nomenclature changes so much and I'm starting to get old, you know, intellectually challenged people who have been mainstreamed. And I remember there was one guy who was in the class ahead of me and, you know, water boy for the football team and all of that, and just wanted to be with those guys and never knew that all those students were just mocking him all the time. And I felt so bad, but I don't know. He got what he wanted. He really felt like you know, does it matter that it wasn't real that that they were? Yeah, making if it's fun real him? to him, because yeah, yeah, the Judah character. I mean, he he was owning it. I mean, he 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 was having a good time in his life. You know, mm-hmm. he was enjoying his life. Right. So he was happy to go be on MTV. Twenty five White Castle burgers, and one of them gets <laughs> stolen. You know, by uh, by Harvey on his way out of the car. Um, okay, Hope Davis. She nailed, I, you she, have a thing for Hope Davis. I love Hope Davis. And she did nail this lady. Once this lady comes on screen yep. and starts talking, you're like, oh my God. Hope Davis is this fucking lady. Right? And she's a deeply unpleasant person, it it seems, yep. most of the time. <clears throat> my my favorite line from her, actually, it was just a snippet of a scene, and that was when he took them out to like J.R. McPuffin stuffs for, for dinner on their first date. Uh, and, and she was like, not, not having it. And they have this whole conversation about how she self-diagnoses all these, uh, these diseases that she has. And she says, everyone in my family has some sort of degenerative disease. And then the waitress comes over to put, put a button on the scene with a big smile and says, good evening. I, I don't know why. I just, I just really <laughs> liked that. I just like, was I just, she wrong with any of her diagnoses through the movie? No, well, she was not. <laughs> No, she was not, but all of her self-diagnoses were, I think, I think she oh, could see in others stuff, but then right, it's like she couldn't see herself that she was actually fine and she should just get to living. Um, and then uh, and my favorite actual quote from the movie are when they are making plans to meet and Hope Davis uh, expresses skepticism at what he's going to look like because he's been drawn by several comic book artists at this point, the worst of which being, uh, the R crumb version. And, uh, she mentions that there are stink lines coming off him <laughs> in, in those comics. And, and he says, those are motion lines. I'm an active guy. They may also be stink lines, <laughs> frankly. I'm an active guy. From being 
Uh, <laughs> that got her on the plane or the bus or whatever it was. So, um, Intimacy vomiting. I've done that. Um, <laughs> we talked about Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, oh, Are you saying uh, that you're Harvey Picar? Uh no 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 I was the Hope Davis in that I, oh. I like like uh, oh right right my first kiss uh, yeah I I that's went right and vomited yeah, in a park bathroom moment. you could hear from miles away um the the self diagnosed uh, whatever she finally gets off the couch Joyce does she gets off the futon when the Letterman show calls <laughs> that's that's what it took she's like oh oh Letterman. Yeah, we're I get off the food testing. <laughs> right, even though she thought it was bullshit. Anyway, and I really believe that she thought it was bullshit because she's that, she wasn't just being too cool. She's just like, she couldn't see what was important to other people. I don't know. Yep. Um, I I just want to bring it to a nice end because I did cry at the end when the real uh-huh. Harvey was kissing his wife and then they were all hugging their daughter uh-huh. mm-hmm. at his retirement party. That got me. They shot the actual fucking retirement party. Yeah, that's crazy. It's a really, it's a really interesting movie. I'm really glad I rewatched it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I watched it for the first time. That's several yeah. movies that you've made me watch now that I'm like, God damn it! And then I watch it <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that was no, an enjoyable experience. I haven't seen it since it came out, and it, I couldn't find it on any of the streaming services for like. I don't know. It was weirdly expensive. I don't remember what the deal was, but um, it was also all filmed, like unlike most of these movies, in actually Ohio. I think it was filmed in yeah. Cleveland and Lakewood, Ohio. Yeah, and and the last thing I want to say about the the where it was shot and how the movie was shot was like th- as his life improved throughout the movie, the city started to look better and better. Mm-hmm. Lakewood is a it, really cute place. I've spent a little bit of time there. It's adorable. I think it was just his perspective they were trying to reflect, mm-hmm. you know, because he was so fucking miserable. The town is miserable and he's just slumped over at the bus stop and, you know, all this stuff. And then later, you know, when he's having a little success, you know, he's walking tall, sun's shining a little brighter. There's, you know, maybe some weeds coming through the sidewalk where there were none before. I don't know. It's a gritty movie for sure. Mm-hmm. And his apartment. It's a rough go. In the end, it, it ends up being a hopeful movie from my perspective because mm-hmm. you see that, like, even grouchy weirdos have a circle of love oh, and yeah. friendship oh, yeah. in the end. So they're why am I too. trying to be nice all the time? Weirdos are horny, too, and they're going to find each other. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is why band exists in high school. I've spent 30 odd years trying to be pleasant when I could have oh, been don't a grouchy a weirdo dick. this whole time. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's let's stay in Cleveland, shall yeah. we? Yeah, we, we we don't have to go far. Let's just uh, head on down to the What was the stadium at the time? It wasn't the new stadium. Right? I don't even remember. Um, yeah, the new stadium didn't come until the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. It's like loser stadium, I guess. Um the movie that I, I picked is about those lovable, scrappy losers, the Cleveland Indians in Major League. And not Major League Two, although it says Major League Two in the spreadsheet because we are going to discuss it second. Oh, right. <laughs> Major League. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the minors. Or was that three? I can't remember. I don't remember. At a certain point in my life, I really enjoyed 
Major League. And here's the thing about it. Watching it back for the first time in a long time, it is misogynist. It is bigoted. It is probably a bit racist. It uses religions as a joke. It's full of cultural appropriation, all of which makes me go, and at the same time, it's an immensely entertaining movie. I mean, it's terrible at a lot. Now, when I was in Cleveland in the late 90s, they were, of course, protesting the Indian's name and the mask, whatever. I never understood at that time why Native Americans were offended by the term Indians as a sports team. Now, the Redskins, you can see that right away. That's disgusting, and that should have changed. But I, I was like, well, Indians, it's not pejorative. But as I've gotten older and I understand more about cultural appropriation and, you know, taking their culture as your mascot for your team but i knew back in 1995 and 1996 that chief wahoo mascot was disgusting yeah and i don't know how you could defend that almost 30 years ago much less now but they did and they have fans like doing war chants and people in headdresses banging on drums and i'm just like oh no (laughs) this is not good but for all that i really enjoyed watching it (laughs) yeah it's great um it's got a great cast i i think charlie sheen was 24 so he was about the right age to be a rookie pitcher he's got great action i thought as a pitcher you know he's he's convincing he looks good yeah he can he can throw yeah he could he was probably throwing the low 80s yeah not 97 no (laughs) No, but all, all you need to do in a sports movie is is throw seven. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. They can make it look good. Wes Tim is... Robbins, he throws 15 miles an hour in Bull Durham. It's the only problem I have with that movie. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ricky Vaughn, man, he can he can bring it a little bit. Yeah, but Tim Robbins, he can get it two-thirds of the way to the plate before he releases it because his arms are so long. That's true. He's releasing it right by your ear. But uh, Wesley Snipes is Willie Mays Hayes. He's great. I think he was in his late 20s, so that's fine. And then the rest of them are all, all like old. I think Tom Berenger, who is tasty looking in this movie, like poor man's Kevin Costner. Uh, he was almost 40. There's the one guy who is, was, I think, 48, who is playing the pitcher, who then shows up in one of our later movies. <laughs> all right. <laughs> the guy who plays an asshole in every movie. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um. God, I'm sure else? he's the I nicest mean, guy in the world, that guy. I mean, he's yeah, probably a yeah. great dude, but I'm like, hey, it's a living. I'm an asshole. Yep. Uh, Dennis Haysbert as the Cuban uh, defector. Who, I mean, that uh, insensitive is the least term for how that character is put, portrayed and not even really trying a Cuban accent. But, you know, he looks like he could smash the cover off that oh, ball. Yeah, he sure does. For sure. <laughs> oh. I wouldn't want to be out in front of it. So I I think really well cast, just stupid jokes, but the plot moves along and it's written. I mean, the story makes sense and just some good, dumb jokes. Oh, Corbin Burnson does not look like a ball player, but, you know, plays an asshole really well. Yeah. So that's what 
what is needed. He was born to play that role. It, th- oh, that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just rich, spoiled baseball guy. Baseball guys are, they suck, by the way, for the most part. Baseball well, players are jerks. I mean, don't, ladies, don't be with a baseball player if you are interested in fidelity. Oh, apparently yeah. pro athletes I mean, they're on the road for like, forget about <laughs> even it. even the person who's supposed to be the good guy in the movie tom berenger freely admits that he cheated on renee russo with yeah. a variety of women in a variety yeah, not of some other special lady that he had but yeah he admits that he was just nailing everything in sight you know and he promises he's changed, and then they go and have sex, and now she's the one who's cheating on her fiancé. So this movie has a very uh, casual approach to fidelity in general that I don't that understand. Guy, I think, by the way. Oof. Well, yes, he's not supposed to be appealing to us, but I don't know. It's I think that sports movies in general have a problem when they try and shoehorn that romantic relationship in. It adds mm-hmm. nothing to yeah. it. We're going to have that come up again, I think think in another sports movie that we're going to talk about but this insistence that you have to have sort of a a love interest element to it and you can't just do with like the sports and the stupid homophobic jokes well there there's usually within a sports story you can find a bromance you could like like rocky i mean it's not as much a sports movie as it is a bromance Mm -hmm. you know um it's it's yeah, it it almost always feels tacked on, and and I like Renee Russo a lot. I really liked her back then, and I guess, I guess it was cool to have a couple scenes where you know, he, uh, Tom Berenger could sort of get humiliated or whatever, and I don't know, but but uh, yeah, I think you're right, Anna. She wasn't necessary to this. It was interesting though in the humiliation scene when he you know is stalking her basically not cool yeah. a lot of stalking and, going on in the movies and yeah and he mistakenly stalks her to the boyfriend's fancy apartment where they're having like a dinner party with some other fancy schmancies and he's gonna get humiliated and they're like oh what do you do jake and he's like i'm a pro ball player and i'm pretty sure that even in the late 80s that would, pretty be impressive. Really that would be really impressive cool. to those people <laughs> yeah, be nerdy. i know it's been in the major leagues for like 15 17 years i mean that's fucking impressive and instead they're all like (laughs) what's that (laughs) you working class plebe what is a weekend (laughs) well now now if you've been even if you're like one of the worst players on the team if you've been in the league for 12 years you're wildly rich (laughs) rich beyond any of these people's dreams even yeah what's league minimum these days a lot uh yeah i don't know last time i checked it was like 600 grand or something like yeah that. yep that's not like minimum. poverty wages after a few after a few years they're required to pay you much 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 more that's minimum rookie i i still remember back you know in the old twins days after they won the world series in 87 and Gary Gaetti was up for contract renegotiations and he had to go somewhere else because he said he just couldn't support his family on only $3 million a year. And I was like, what? Come on. You get used to a certain lifestyle. I guess. I guess. Gotta pay off that mansion somehow. Well, what happens too to these guys is they'll, they're making this fucking zillions of dollars and then they'll retire and they're still paying the child support and the alimony yeah. based on based on their 20 million dollar salary and they're like hey could we have a little hearing on this because uh you know my my income is not quite what it used to be 
You got to buy that car dealership. Yeah. You got to invest wisely. Uh, so, of course, this movie is inextricably linked to Cleveland because if you're going to have a story about a sad sack baseball team, where else <laughs> are you going to yeah. set it other than a sad sack beaten oh, down city like Cleveland? Have they... So when I was living in Ohio in Cleveland was when they were in their World Series run. I remember them losing to the then Florida Marlins before they were even the Miami Marlins. So I know they've been to the World yep. Series, but they haven't won it since like. Well, they they 40? choked it against the Cubs, so they got to keep the title. I think as the most sad sack team. <laughs> Because they haven't won since the 40s, and the yep. Cubs have now won. So the Mariners are next. Once the once the Cubs, sorry, once the Indians win, then I think the Mariners are the next sad. Are sack they worse the than team. the Tigers? Uh, the Tigers have won multiple World Series. Tigers were real good in the 80s. Okay. Yeah, the Mariners have never been to the World Series. Poor babies. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been following them since 19. Uh, 77. So <clears throat> someday it's going to happen for us. It's going to be all the sweeter when it does. Do you know what the most awful thing about this movie was? Well, no, I can't say that because there were some real bad things in this movie. At, in the end credits, uh, one of the at the bottom of the credits, it was like, thanks to the city of Milwaukee, to the Brewers, most of this was filmed mm. in Brewers facilities. That's interesting. I mean, just to add insult to injury. Bob Euchre is the is the announcer for the Brewers. Mm -hmm. That's where they got him, and I I think he tied this movie together. I mean, I think he's the he's the he's what makes it go. Yeah. Why didn't we talk about Bob Euchre yet? He was fantastic. Yeah. Welcome, wigwamers. Yeah, I no. Mean... <laughs> <laughs> the worst, the worst <laughs> names for the fan base. Ever. Not for tribe talk. That's why we need to change these names. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe the... Uh, I don't want to get back into it, but but the they still use the Wahoo thing. I, I can dig using the Indians, I guess. Still, I mean, my, my dad played in college for a team called the Chieftains, and they got rid of it like 20 years ago and went to something called the Red Hawks, which doesn't exist. In Seattle, you you like to get a nickname for your team that doesn't exist in, in real mm -hmm. life. You that like way no one can get mad. Animal that doesn't exist. Yeah, like the Red Hawk people can't get. It's like you want to distance yourself so far from any protest. You're like, we're calling ourselves the Unicorns. Anyone mad about that? You know, <laughs> That's like, what my high school mascot was. Oh, really? my God. <laughs> I went to a nerd high school with no sports, so why did we need a mascot? I don't know. <laughs> we were the generically named Raiders. I went from Saints to Crusaders. And oh Crusaders is, is troubling. They're That's still not Crusaders, a good look. By the way, <laughs> nobody nobody objects when the white people are terrible uh, in the in the mascot. I mean, nope. I, nobody's nobody's putting up uh, Vikings protests. Oh, correction. It was a Pegasus, but it's also not real. Pegasus. Okay. <clears throat> you know, Marina, just because you've never seen one doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> Good point. Good point. I'll keep an open mind. Is it Pegasuses or Pegasi? Our or just... chant was city, 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 high, Pega, Pega, Pegasi. Oh, wow. 
I'm sorry. City High, really? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that happened. Yeah. Well, <laughs> did you uh, chant that at the chess matches? I <laughs> we had middle school. Shut up! I'm playing chess. <laughs> we had middle school sports for some reason, but not high school. It was a seventh through twelfth uh, school for nerds, and I played on the volleyball team, and that was the the only time I ever said that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm okay with Pegasus. The, I'm into it. the other chant was "It's all right, it's okay. You're going to work for us someday," which they made right. us stop yeah. saying it's after the a while. Duke yeah, chant. Mm-hmm. they do that all the time. All right, well, that's enough about Major League. I don't know if I advise rewatching it. It is really fun movie, but boy, howdy, it's on all the time. I wherever I find myself, you know, it's one of those movies. I I found this since we've been doing this road trip. I have little recollection of like the first 20 minutes of any movie because almost all these movies are movies that I'll just happen upon and go, Oh, I'm watching the rest of this. I remember this. And then you'll see a movie from the beginning and like the first four scenes are like, I maybe saw this in 1986 and then I have not seen the beginning of this movie since I've just caught it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to rewatch these things, especially from the beginning because I often I'll get even more engrossed. Well, we're going to stay in Ohio, and uh, that'll that'll move us to um, uh, our good friend, the the late uh, Chris Farley. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, so we're going to stay with uh, another movie that is full of misogyny and racist <laughs> jokes and fat shaming and horrible language. <laughs> a lot of fat shaming. <laughs> Tommy Boy. Um, it's hard when a fat guy does it. <laughs> there was so much I mean I know that Chris Farley was a physical comic and a lot of his humor relied on his large body his body yeah which is fine but we're obviously meant to be laughing at him not with him here right right and that's always been the case um I I, I remember seeing this when it first came out um and I rewatched it yesterday and was kind of horrified by a lot of it it's not a good movie I don't think um, the, the premise is kind of silly. It, it was produced by Lauren Michaels. So, I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know if you haven't seen this movie, but mm-hmm. well, it's higher concept than a lot of the movies that come out of SNL. That's sort of true. It's so the idea is that, um, Chris Farley's dad owns a brake pad company played by Brian Dennehy. It's pretty good. It's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yes. I love Brian. Dennehy. So good. And Chris Farley has just graduated from college after seven years. And he, so the, the, you know, aside from laughing at him for being fat, we also laugh at him a lot for being stupid. Um, yeah, but that's one of the lines that I always, or I guess exchanges that I always really liked that I didn't, cause I had never actually seen Tommy boy. I just have absorbed all the bits mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. until this point. And when he says lots of people go to college for seven years and David Spade just says, <laughs> yeah, they're called, they're called doctors. doctors. <laughs> he and Spade were on a writing. They spree. were so good together. Yeah, they were so good together. You could tell they sat in a smelly office eating food all night for mm-hmm. like five years because yeah. they had a lot of fucking exchanges that seemed like pocketed. You know, yeah, they were ready. So this is an. This is. I think this fit the bill really well. I think this was a very quintessential Ohio movie. It's very Rust Belt. Yep. Um, there's a lot, it, it, some of it was filmed in Ohio, but I've, it's quite obvious that a lot of it was filmed in, in Canada. Um, but not too far away at least. Um, yeah. but the idea is that, um, 
his father dies, the owner of the company dies unexpectedly at his own wedding, and the company's in danger, and Chris Farley has to, and, and David Spade, have to try and basically go save it by by making sales. And so they're driving around the Midwest trying to sell brake pads, and Chris Farley is just laughably bad at it. Um, he sets a guy's like desk on fire at one point. <laughs> <laughs> and and David Spade is so like such a prissy little jerk that he doesn't do any better even though he knows the material. He just no, looks he down sell. his nose at him, but yeah, yeah he can't sell. he's not good either. And so they they start out as enemies, but it's very it's very quickly that they start to kind of warm up, or at least David Spade warms up to Chris Farley. Chris yep. Farley's all in on David Spade because he loves everybody. And I think it's kind of nice that Chris Farley is friends with all the factory workers. Like I guess he must have worked there over the summers or something. Yeah, he um, pulled so he knows Walsh, everybody who works. You know. Yeah, he knows everybody who works in the factory in his father's factory, and he's he seems like very um, on good terms with them. Um, but he also like doesn't know how to behave in a factory at the same time. Like he gets hit in the head with a giant hook several times. I don't. I don't he know. knows how to shoot an oil filter through the skylight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of road trip hijinks. Um, they yep. hit a, a a a buck at one point. I think it's a buck because it had. It had antlers. It had antlers. Yeah. And instead of leaving it there, they put it into David Spade's precious car that he's a, a real priss about, which doesn't make sense. They make so many decisions that are just obvious setups for dumb jokes. Like, that does none of it made any sense. All their choices were stupid. No, I have objections to this deer thing. Not that the deer looks totally fake when it's in well, the car, it because does. I mean, I think that's on purpose. But. <laughs> They just like swiveled a deer head on a stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, a lot of times it, it's funnier. It oh, it's totally yeah, funny. It is yeah, funny. it's so funnier it's when like... the thing looks completely the, animatronic or whatever. But the thing that um, defies belief here is that if they had hit that deer in that car, it would have been yeah. pulverized. Oh, yes. Nope. Yeah. It would be. They wouldn't and be able there to drive is that not car. a scratch yeah. on the bumper of that car at that point. Well, the deer yeah. would be deer chili and the car would be destroyed. Like, it's yep. just mm-hmm. all ridiculous. And they would be dead because that car probably doesn't have airbags or no. seatbelts. Right. Yep. right. They flew right and out then, into the antlers. Yeah, the the unbelievable part is supposed to be that the deer, it doesn't come back to life, it just was never dead and then it destroys it the done. car and runs yeah. away and... Ha, it was ha, a breakout ha. star of the movie. That was that was <laughs> the that deer. was quite a scene. <laughs> there were there were a lot of of scenes that I think were supposed to be funny, but the the first one like in the course of the movie that made me laugh was Fat Guy in a Little Coat. And so this oh is the movie God. that gave us that gem. And that As was someone wonderful. who weighed three hundred thirty five pounds uh, <laughs> <clears throat> around the time this movie was was really gaining steam. Um, I got a lot of mileage out of that. Uh, my coworkers started to put on their coats. Oh, I believe you it. Know? Did you rip any down the back like he ripped David Spade? <laughs> no, no, no. But I would, I would hold up, you know, my coworker's coat, and I'd say, "Is this your coat?" And I'd start <laughs> to put it on, you know, start singing, you know. <laughs> no. <sighs> so, so the thing about this movie is, I hadn't seen it before, and I'd really kind of actively avoided it because I don't generally like SNL comedies because there's never seems to be very much to them. You know, what works in a skit for four minutes, you can't stretch out to two hours or an hour and a half or, or whatever. And I, I find it to be like really low common denominator stuff. But, you know, I said I, I knew all the, the bits just from 
being alive. Well, Adam American Sandler society. wasn't in this one. So. Yeah, oh, way better. But the thing is, I laughed out loud more consistently watching this movie than I expected to by a long shot. Yes. The sailboat scene <laughs> gets me. The little sailboat. And it ended up being kind of a sweet little yeah. movie about friendship. It did. Sure. It did. They become friends and they respect each other and and there's a sweet thing, you know, his relationship with his dad was very sweet even though mm-hmm. he's a buffoon, his dad believes in him and loves him and takes care of him. It it was a sweet movie and it, you're right, there was more to it than than a lot of SNL movies. And a 31-year-old Rob Lowe, I forgot how Oh my, oh my god he <laughs> he was uncredited in this role rob Lowe plays this supposed stepbrother of his because his dad is getting remarried to bo Derek, who oh my god looks amazing she's keeping it tight yeah i know is. and and you you guys know that i compulsively look up people's ages and i was like she's 39 and he's 31 she's not old enough to be his mother <laughs> oh okay right Oh, you looked it up before you you figured out the plot twist. I didn't know this part of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, so they're Rob Lowe. I don't believe this for a second. (laughs) Yeah, supposedly Rob Rob Lowe is is Bo Derek's son, and that turns out not to be the the case. They're scamming this guy for his money, and of course they're um, trying to torpedo the company so that um, it is sold to an amazing Dan Aykroyd character called Ray Zielinski. born to play this character. So yeah. good. And he's so good at the... Sh- he does this, like, over-the-top Chicago accent. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. Really Isn't that where he's from? I think he's legit. He's done it before. I was trying to think of what movie he did that. Well, it reminds me of his his character uh, on on SNL where he was... He had, like, um, toys for kids, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, they had, like, a bag of glass. You know, yeah, a bag of glass. Like. Yeah, and, and he was... Re- that was sort of what it put me in the mind of because he's just really going over the top chicago oh he was what he's movie Canadian. was he in that we just oh yes oh, that's right okay what, what movie was he in that we just did that's for what i was trip? trying to th- to remember i, I think it was remember. one that i watched too and i don't remember what movie it was oh 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 it was gross point blank oh you're right he was wonderful yes. in that too i thought mm-hmm. and he was doing that accent. yes he was and i i found myself thinking like against my better judgment that he looked kind of handsome in this movie yeah, I like the hair. That looked good. Yeah. <laughs> the three-inch tall hair. Yeah. So there's like there's some boardroom drama. There's some talk about shares. and But, uh, you know, unsurprisingly, everything ends up all right in the end. And Tommy mm-hmm. saves there's the company. There's a, a low-rent Janine Garofalo. Yes. I mean. <laughs> That's who I thought she was at first. I was like, is she I could not believe how close they got was like is that Janine? Yeah. No, that is no, not she's Janine tiny Garofalo. though. This girl, if you ever see her next to anybody, she is tiny. Yeah, so there's a there's a side love story of course because there has to be and it's it's this woman named Michelle played by Julie Warner who I had to look up and her roles include like Doc Hollywood. Star Trek and yeah, Doc Hollywood. So she looked familiar to me but it was probably cuz I've been watching Star Trek lately. That was the only place I recognized her from was Doc Hollywood. She was cute in that movie mm-hmm. too. But uh, not not remarkable enough to go on for for a big yeah. She didn't career. have an extensive career, no, so no. I I enjoyed this. It wasn't a terrible rewatch, but I was just I was struck as I am every time I watch a movie from the '90s at yep. how just kind of yucky it was in a lot of ways, and how tasteless a lot of the jokes were, and how how cheap they were, and how fat phobic it was. Um, mm-hmm. That was just, of course, a, a line throughout the whole entire movie was just laughing at how fat he is. Well. 
I want to say something about that. Um, I think the reason that that I still feel like it's funny and and his owning his fatness or whatever is funny is because part of it is he was an amazing athlete. Like he could, I mean, the guy could like jump and do stunts and like, it wasn't just, Hey, there's a fat guy. It was like, Mm -hmm. here's a fat guy, you know, (laughs) like he's a force. He's a physical force. He was not careful with his body. No, No. he was not. No, no. And that makes it really funny because if you got like some 110 pound guy falling on a table, he's just going to, you know, knock the magazines off. But you know, when you're, when you're big, you know, you crush it and that's funny. But he gets ridiculed for it That guy falls down will be funny forever. Yeah, I don't know. Like the kids yelling at him on the boat yeah. and stuff. It just didn't seem great to me. The people who know him all seem to really enjoy him. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's, and enjoy he's really his, got a heart of gold. His friendliness. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's a weird one. I was thinking, do you think I could sell a line of reasoning that this is a reimagining of Mice and Men? Hmm. Hmm. What is, uh, what is, what does he crush? What does he kill? There was a scene in there that made me think of it where he was, I don't remember, but, uh, that I think made he would have re- crushed Julie Warner. So yeah. It just, made uh... me really think of Lenny <laughs> and of Mice and Men. So <laughs> I'm thinking maybe if I was still in college and I was taking some film class, may- maybe I could sell it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are traveling around, uh... What else? <laughs> One guy's really tiny. Yep. yep. I got to work on it for a while. I'll get back okay. to you. All right. Well, I'm up next again because we've decided the order ahead of time for once. And the second movie that I chose is Heathers. And this movie is <laughs> something else. Um, Gen X. Woo! Yeah, I hadn't seen it in years and years and years. So I kind of <laughs> forgot, but I knew that it was set in Ohio. Um, although... I you know this maybe was kind of a failure because this really could have been said anywhere. They they mention Ohio many times. Um, there was one line in there. When uh, Christian Slater says it's about the mineral water, and he says this is Ohio. If you're not holding the brewski, you might as well be wearing a dress. <laughs> yes, exactly. I wrote that line down. Yep, yep. <laughs> that is it. And and the the mineral water was such a funny prop. That was solid. Yes. It's very good. It was it was shorthand for gay, which again, right. this movie uses the F word for gay over and over and over. Like it was yep. shocking to me. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was such a, a, a solid joke. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, yeah. but they're trying to stage this crime scene to make it look like the two football players were secretly gay. And so they had a suicide, a double suicide, yeah. live with it. And yes. And, uh, and Christian Slater is insisting on the, the, the mineral water as a prop. And she's like, what ever? And what's going to convince them. But then the thing <laughs> is, then when the cop comes and finds the bodies later, he like takes the mineral water out of the bag and he just looks at it like oh, oh yep. he goes and something he, like oh they're fairies sold that yep <laughs> terrible 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 so this is a high school film and set it was filmed in what it came in in 89 i think and mm-hmm. a, a response to like the probably the the te- tons of teen movies at the time yep the shiny happy Teen movies. I don't know if it was a direct response to, to John like, Hughes, maybe. Yeah, The Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles or whatever 
which I think those movies kind of had a little bit more depth, maybe. Yeah. This one is just overly dark. This is just extremely depressing and sad <laughs> I thought so it's about for, and and also but like okay this is supposed to be set in Sherwood Ohio a tiny little village there's a lot of like billionaires who live there <laughs> <laughs> I mean the movie opens on the three heathers playing croquet um did we play croquet in 1989 I feel like it was more of a thing then I think we had. I mean, a I did set. at my grandma's house in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, but she had like a huge, big lawn. We had a big lawn in my house when I was a kid too, and we had we had like a badminton net, and we played badminton a lot, and we played. Ooh. I think we played croquet. I mean, croquet you can play without getting sweaty. Yeah, so that's pretty good. It's about the, the least upper sportiest sport that ever. Yeah, you have to swing a club like with a four-inch backswing. Yeah, you know that's it. <laughs> <laughs> they they there were a lot of close-ups on their croquet swings and i thought they were all awful i mean they never show where they the should ball have brought really in goes, croquet but i think they consultant. were bad at it <laughs> despite being get some professional croquet stand-ins most people that don't play croquet regularly are pretty bad at it but it seemed like a regular activity for these teenage girls that's to true do with they their probably friends yeah i don't know i was only seven in when this movie came out so i wasn't well i don't think this was meant to be a realistic depiction yeah, of high school i don't think so either <laughs> so basically there's this there's this crew i don't know why i'm explaining this everybody knows what heathers is about but the click of these like fancy awful girls and winona Ryder wants to be in it even though she used to have nice friends and she gets sick of it. And then JD, who is Christian Slater appears in her life and they end up going on like a murder spree. <laughs> they stage all these murders as suicides. Um, sort of a accidental homicide. They want she to make it's just a joke and he's intent on killing people. Yes. It's complicated. It is. They want the the first one is the the leader of the Heathers and they want to make they want to see her throw up, which is something I've never wanted to see anyone do in my life. No. <laughs> um, so there's a little perplexing, but they go over to her ho- like they just show up in each other's houses unannounced all the time, somehow have keys. And that's never explained. So they, they are in her kitchen. Well, come on. You've heard enough of Hillary's story. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I should ask her daughter how that works. Just break into your friend's houses all the time. <laughs> so they're in her kitchen, and she they know that she had been drinking the night before and that she has a hangover. P.S. Teenagers don't get hangovers, but all right. Um, so they're like, we're going to make her a hangover cure, but it's actually going to make her throw up. And Winona Ryder wants to mix orange juice and milk as if she would just drink that and not realize what it was, and then she would get sick and ha, ha, ha. But they put drain cleaner in a cup, and she accidentally just slams that down and falls yeah. immediately falls through a glass coffee table and dies. I don't understand. Did did she drink it with the lid on? Was there a hole? He put a lid somehow? on this cup like she won't know what it is. And then they have a small conversation about like, why should I drink this? Why would I drink this? Like, And then she just does it? I don't know. Right. Wouldn't she have to take the lid off and be like, why is it so blue? Why does it smell like yeah. drain cleaner? Yeah. It doesn't even taste good. He should have used antifreeze. How about some water? I have a hangover here. Could could you guys just give me some fucking water? <laughs> could you just get out of my bedroom also? Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> right. Did we have Gatorade? Could they have sold it as weird could Gatorade? Could just put some ice water next to my bed? The and orange get the juice fuck and milk is arguably a better hangover cure than 
water drain cleaner. Need, or drain cleaner yeah so this kind of starts <laughs> off their their murder so spree resolved. drain cleaner bad well, it will resolve your, you won't be worried about your hangover anymore. <laughs> so it's a cure of, of some sort i mean she <laughs> wasn't hungover anymore yeah nope and so winona writer is a, a, a she is a um she can imitate people's handwriting apparently and so jd has her write a suicide note as Heather, and so everybody at school thinks that she killed herself. Nobody did any sort of investigation um, or fingerprinting or anything. But, you know, we did our forensic science show. Right. That might just mm-hmm. be bullshit. But they never get caught for any of these murders that they do. <laughs> um, there's a lot of yucky, um, like, date rapey stuff in this mm-hmm. film. There's a scene. Okay. You know what I noticed? The other thing that makes this an Ohio movie. There was a cow tipping scene in both of these movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. That was a thing for a while. It was definitely a, a joke here. I remember in like yep. the, the late 80s and early 90s, my brother used to think it was so funny, but I don't think anyone actually did it. Barb and I went out on Lopez Island one night and I can't remember if we got one tipped over or not. I don't think oh, it works God. that way. I don't think that's real. I just remember there was a lot of shit out there and I was like, I don't, I'm not... It's really dark, and there's a lot of cow shit yeah. out there. That's the only part like, I remember. Like, like, the theory might be better than the practice. Yeah. Yep. I don't tipping. think we ever really did it, you know? Because I was like, why are we doing this? I don't know. Well, they get kind of, you know, like, they tip over a cow, and it sprays the, the girls with cow poop. And then there's a weird scene where Winona Ryder is like, oh, this is dumb. And she goes and sits by a tree, and the other couple, like, the guy is like, almost raping the girl in the cow field in the background. And they show them. Yeah. I mean, they're out of focus, but like she's on her back struggling. Yeah. Weird. For the whole entire scene. And I was just like, I can't understand what is happening. And, and it's, it's, it's acknowledged a couple times. I think JD just talks about date rape several times it, as, and, and I'm sure it's used as shorthand for this place is awful, but it was distracting and it was really hard to watch. Mm hmm. Those uh, 25-year-old high school seniors. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's a lot of weird stuff about, like, fake bullets. Um, I think early on in the movie, the first time she sees JD, he's sh- shooting people in the cafeteria with blanks, yeah. which is another thing that wouldn't really fly today. I don't <laughs> yeah, th- I don't think this movie gets made nope. today. Nope. Um, and then, you know, they set up this murder-suicide between these two football bullies um, and I think she thinks she's shooting them with hollow bullets again, but she's not. She's shooting them for real. And then JD kind of... She, yeah. yeah. She didn't believe it because she didn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, JD's really the mastermind behind all this. Um, and he eventually sets up a situation where he's going to try and blow up the school during a pep rally. And uh, she ends up shooting him in the chest and stopping him. And then he goes out and then he blows himself up. He blows up. himself up anyway, yeah. It was dark and upsetting and weird, um, and I don't remember yeah. any of this from the first time. There's also fat shaming. There, there's a kind of a, a plot device Aww. person called Martha. Her oh, last name is Dunstock, and they nickname her Dump Truck, which is so mean. Ooh. And I felt awful for her the first time I saw her because they they forge a letter from one of the popular boys saying that he liked her. And then she gets laughed at by the whole cafeteria. And I was thinking, if this is a movie about suicide, that is the person that you need to be concerned is going to commit suicide. And sure enough, mm-hmm. she tries to walk out in traffic yep. later on. Yeah, in the movie. that's a sort of moment of sort of genuine feeling in 
what is like a super Gen X king of disaffected kids comedy that made me really really sad yes. it was very sad at the end Winona Ryder asks if she wants to come over on prom night and watch movies and to my astonishment there it was genuine like I thought for sure that Martha would be like uh yeah right good try no thank you uh-huh. <laughs> oh right she's gotta be skeptical yeah by now. I would be but she agrees and it's supposed to be sweet and I didn't really find it all that sweet <laughs> I'd be looking for a bucket of pig's blood above my head yeah the whole fucking time. guys I have a question Hmm. What is this movie about? Hmm. What is what is Heather's saying? There's so much in there that's really relevant and interesting. There's, I mean, a whole thing about school shootings, the problem of um, suicide and sort of the, I guess, piggybacking of teen suicide once it gets attention. There's a lot about sort of social standing and social connections in high schools. There's, you know, about teenage power and who gets it and who uses it and how it changes people and sort of the existential nihilism, like burn the world down that we've seen a lot lately. But hell if I can put it together in a cohesive thesis right to say what what is the message of heathers i mean jd did that speech about like school is society man (laughs) and that was like i think to me that was the overarching message but it was very it was kind of nebulous it was like this sucks (laughs) he said specifically that he based that performance on jack nicholson he was trying to channel jack nicholson his face looked "Mm -hmm." like him Maybe try a little less. That was yeah. a little. He was a good a little creep. Much. He's always a good creep. Yeah. He liked well, those creep roles back at that time. He he's kind of a one note guy. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. it's just I don't know why he's not working and Winona Ryder is because I know how neither one her. of them can hit more than one and a half notes of of any scene. Yeah, she definitely had a a type of role oh, too yeah. back in these days, from Beetlejuice to this to. Um, Edward Scissorhands. Well, there was a scene in this movie, and I don't remember exactly which one it was, but it reminded me of her performance in Stranger Things. So I don't think much has changed. (laughs) No. Somehow she still gets work. There are so many other actors that are... Oh, it makes me mad. I don't want to talk about one on her. I read that she almost didn't get cast because the director didn't think she was pretty enough. What? Like, okay, go eat a bag of dicks, Yeah, really... Who's the casting director that's not going to cast her because she can't act? That's the casting director and the director that we need. It's like, who the fuck is this? This is terrible. Let's get someone who can act in here. We also get um, a very young Shannon Doherty. Uh huh. But other than that, I don't think it was too much of a star studded cast. No. You don't see any of the Heathers in anything else. No. Well, guy. one of the, the Heather Chandler, the first Heather, she died when she was 32. Eek. I didn't say in on IMDb what she died of, and I, you know, I felt like it was kind of gruesome to go digging any further yeah. than that. But you know, I also in my Wikipedia research, the director said that Shannon Doherty was quote a handful on uh, set. Huh. <laughs> We've been told that a lot. Yep, and apparently she was extremely upset when she saw the final cut of the movie because she thought that she was in a drama. She didn't realize what <laughs> exactly what it was. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, the writers and directors are like, that's fine by us if she doesn't get what it's supposed to be. It makes her performance all the more, you know, Yeah, you should have asked whoever doing. reads your scripts, is this a comedy or a drama? 
That's all you had to do is just ask. Yeah, but do we know? Yeah. From Heather's, it's it's described as a black comedy, and boy, is it ever yeah. dark. But is it a? I comedy? didn't think it was that funny. I thought it was upsetting. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. But it's not quite like Blue Velvet or anything. I mean, it's it, not that dark. Yeah, it's a little cartoonish. It yeah. was interesting because with a movie like Tommy Boy, I can identify that humor as Gen X very easily mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's mean sure. humor, right? The way that that my fellow Gen Xers and I all get, and other people are like, "But why are those friends just? They're supposed to like each other. Why are they being no. mean?" We and I'm bust like, balls. "That's just that's how we do it." Yeah. So that made a lot of sense to me. But you know, Heather is like, it's so mean that I don't understand it. Yeah. yeah. It's not a happy worldview. Let's put it that way. And it's not necessarily even wrong in all of that, but like, I don't, it's, I am not surprised that it was a flop when it came out. Yeah. It's just like, it's been a cult success, right? Yeah. I remember renting it um, after it came out on the, on the old, uh, the VHS and watching it with my first wife. And, uh, I think we watched it a couple times. It was an interesting movie. I mean, it, it is. It's, it's, it's definitely different. It's not shiny, happy, no, inspirationally breakfast clubby of it all. No, and, and it's weird. It became a musical. Right. I don't know how successful it was, and then they were rebooting it as a TV show. So I I don't know if it's just now it's the Gen Xers are getting into those decision making positions within the oh, entertainment yeah. industry. Yeah. Nostalgia. And so yeah. they're. They're bringing it back. I was thinking about what it would look like to have Heather Chandler versus Regina George from Mean Girls. Yes. Definite <laughs> parallels here. <laughs> yep. I'm sure that I'll would be match. an interesting matchup. I thought that the um, it, the makeup wasn't as amazing as it was in Working Girl, but the fashion was incredible. Well, they were doing something there. Yeah. With the color coding. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, and, and why are these 17-year-old girls wearing, like, fitted blazers and pumps to school? Yeah, seems a little much. I mean, I went to but, nerd school, but I never saw anybody dress like that. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't in high school in 1989, but I don't remember any of that stuff. There was a scene where Winona Ryder is going to that party. She goes to that college party and she's wearing heels. Ooh, and that black dress it, thingy. It looks like she can't walk. <laughs> she's like kind of tottering around because I think she's wearing heels that she's not used to wearing. It was, that was a good dress though. Yeah, it was. It was cute. It framed her, her little teeny weeny boobs. Yep. Okay. Well, um, on that note, on that note, Heather's. <laughs> Not a happy place. I'm going to take you to a happy place, and that is 1954, um, Indiana basketball. It's a legendary high school basketball state. Uh, of course, Larry Bird's from there. In 1954, uh, the school, Milan, with less than uh, – so they have just over 1,000 people. There were 64 kids in the high school, and they won the state tournament. And that's impressive in Indiana because all of the high schools – at least at that time, I'm, I don't think they still do it this way, but they all competed against each other, no matter the size of the school. Oh, the that's tournament. interesting. So there weren't different classes or tiers? No. So when they end up playing in the finals against South Bend, uh, it's it's a school with like 2,800 students, and they have 64. So um, I saw this movie for the first time at a special screening. I saw it before it came out, 
in Kane Hall at the University of Washington. Uh, It was a test screening, and we had to, like, fill out some things afterwards. And, sorry, afterward. And I, I, I remember feeling like I think I was fooled by the movie. I'm like, I know I'm a sucker for sports movies because, like, I've mentioned this before. When I was in junior high, I reviewed movies for the for the newspaper and it was always sports movies, you know, fish that save Pittsburgh and really awful, awful sports movies. So I'm a sucker for sports movies. I always think they're great. So I I watched this movie with my friends at Kane hall and we, you know, we got these passes and and we're like, okay, free movie, let's go. And I, I ended up giving it like, I didn't give it all the high marks because I was like, I'm just in the afterglow of watching a sports movie. I'm not going to give this thing, you know, tens across the board or whatever. Mm-hmm. But as I rewatch it every time, I'm like, no, this fucking movie's fantastic. It's just I should have given it better, better scores. If if my scores had kept that movie from coming out, I would have felt terrible <laughs> about it. Do you think um, they were watching closely the middle school paper? <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about my because we we filled out surveys after the screening. And, and, oh, okay. Uh, and so the 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 studio was trying to gauge us. Gotcha, we were gotcha, a test gotcha. screen. So this movie, I, I've, I've not been to Indiana. I've n- not been to these places, but it really seems to capture the like late fall colors. Cause the coach comes to the basketball team at the, 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 the season is just about to start. He's late to the game. So it's late fall colors. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. And I'm always, I'm always a sucker for black chucks. Um, (laughs) like i don't know what cinematography is but i can say the cinematography in this movie was beautiful you know what it does yeah (laughs) you might not know what it is but you know what it does and how it makes you feel and how it gives you a a sense of place and wow yeah it it didn't even feel like indiana today it felt like indiana in 1954 Mm -hmm. it was it was remarkable well this was a first-time director and he and his his partner wrote this. Um, they they were familiar with the story. This small school won the Indiana State Basketball Tournament in 1954. Bobby Plump was the. Uh, I'm glad they changed the name. Of the guy <laughs> was the hero. Uh, what's most remarkable about about this story is it doesn't exist. This, I mean, they did win, and they are the small school, and they won. Uh, and the idea, the right, the guy who wrote the screenplay knew the story that these guys won. He's like, oh, I'm going to go back to Indiana and I'm going to get the story and we're going to write this movie. So he went back to Indiana and everyone he talked to, there was absolutely nothing to it. They were just a good team. They all got along. It was from beginning to end. It was just wonderful. The, I think the creator said, uh, the director said, uh, one of the people said Bobby Plump was late to practice one time and he had to run some laps. Drama. That was, that was it. So, so My this God, guy get went, the Oscars ready for that. <laughs> this guy went back to L.A. and he told his, his friend who was going to direct, he said, there's nothing here. I got to make all this shit up. So he did. So this whole, besides the championship and the final score or whatever, it's all made up, um, which is disappointing because it's so great. Uh, we talked about how they tack on a, a romantic relationship in a lot of sports movies. And they, they really went for it here with Barbara Hershey, who was a huge favorite of mine back in the day, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. uh, her whole look, her whole vibe, the, 
the no bullshit. I mean, imagine this this poor guy. He's trying to he's he's trying to woo a you know a complicated woman, and he's he has a he has a troubled past, and she goes to Deerlick to to Google him at the library. You know? <laughs> to nineteen fifties Google card him. catalog him. Everyone <laughs> in the town. Everyone in the town hates this guy. She's just skeptical of him, but she's smart enough to just go do the research because any of these other morons could have gotten him kicked out immediately if they'd have just done any homework at all or had ever read a newspaper. So, yeah, the, this disgraced coach, he, he he can't go back to coaching in college because he punched one of his players. And so Oops. he goes in, into the Navy for 12 years and he comes back and he's only been banned in New York high schools because apparently... It's like being a dirty cop or, you know, an abusive cop. You can just go yep. to another state and go and go coach some basketball. So um, but we don't find out that he, that he has this past until later. He, you kind of suspect it uh, as it goes along. Uh, I think it, it's interesting that one of the players in, in, in a basketball scene tries to bait him into punching the player. And then Raid, who has had his problems with coach Normandale punches the the kid in the face. And that's their bonding moment uh, Mm -hmm. over punching another person in the face. So that's a little bit problematic. I think if we're talking about problematic things like, uh, Hey, remember when we punched those guys in the face? (laughs) (laughs) Good times. Good times. (laughs) Maybe we could have resolved the conflict in a different way. All right. Um, Yeah. Barbara Hershey. Ideal mm-hmm. woman for me. Uh, I did notice that both Hoosiers and Major League have only two speaking female roles in them. I'm shocked. Shocked. One of each is the the love, uh, the love mm-hmm. interest, yeah. and one is the like queen bitch, and one is the like wacky old lady who's gonna teach him wisdom. I wonder how yeah. many sports movies pass the Bechdel test. League of oh, Their Own. Oh, not so many. Mm. <laughs> Love and basketball? I don't know. Okay. Um, do, well, well, let's let's talk about Normandale for a second. Do does a clean slate exist anymore? I don't think this could happen. I don't I think don't it know. even could have happened then because it didn't. This whole story is made <laughs> up. But but it it seems like now he would have been completely canceled and and like even even the junior high uh, parents would have. Well, somebody would have actually googled him yeah and that yeah, would right. have been the end of that i don't know i i think that's a a concept that we're we're grappling with as a society now yeah. is, is the idea of forgiveness and, yeah, and can you grow redempted. and redempted mm-hmm. is that a word <laughs> i like that it, redeemed. redeemed close yeah. enough redempted um i don't know maybe maybe there are some things like punching a child that you shouldn't eventually get a pass on so maybe maybe it's like one of those things where yeah sure he still has a right to go and make a living just not with children Mm -hmm. that's why he went to the navy but you could coach pros right yeah i i i don't know punch another college kid so i know it's a gray area i think yeah i have to believe in redemption like we can't be that inflexible as people but it's those are lines that we're like still figuring out i think i i think you can be redeemed if you're a 
a, just an outstanding basketball coach, which which mm-hmm. Normandale is. Uh, <laughs> I think you have to demonstrate remorse and growth, and those two things are necessary for redemption. Okay. And I think he demonstrates both of those in the movie. Okay, let's talk about uh, Jimmy Chitwood for a second. Um, oh my God, that boy is cute. Bobby Bobby Plump. No, uh, you don't want that name. So Jimmy Chitwood, <laughs> great job by them uh, renaming the star of the team. Uh, so if if they'd have called him Bobby Plump, it would have been one detail that actually existed in the world besides <laughs> them winning the championship. But they changed his name, and he's relentless in hitting buckets. Buckets, buckets, <laughs> buckets. Uh He's pure. He's got a great shot. Um, his ball handling looks pretty bad. So I'm not surprised that he never went on to really play any basketball, this actor, but he could really shoot. Um, shooting is something that you can do alone. And I think in rural uh, towns, you get a lot of kids that are really great shooters because they can't get together a game. Sure. So they, they just do a They don't lot. have 10 people. No, yeah, so they they don't even have six, you know, and they don't even maybe they don't even have another guy to play against, so they just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. Um, so this is why Indiana basketball works. I mean, because they just produce shooters. Hmm. So he's out there, he's he's hitting the buckets, hitting the buckets, and then and then Norman Dale tells him, "I don't I don't care if you play for the team, I I don't care," and that makes him miss. That was interesting. That was the only shot he he missed in all those montages, you know. Uh, I mean, he missed some in the games, but... I didn't really understand that whole plot point, because Norman's in hot water. The people of the town are going to vote him out as coach, because that's how it works. You definitely vote for coaches every November <laughs> yep. 4th. And then... And, when you, and when Jimmy... you have license to make up the whole story, you, you definitely get to make up the vote. And and Jimmy has chosen not to play on the basketball team, even though he's the undisputed star because he was very close to the old coach and he's grieving the loss of the old coach or whatever. But then as as Norman's being voted out as coach, Jimmy walks into the meeting and says, I'm ready to return to playing, but only if he's the coach. And I don't understand what the catalyst for him making this decision is. Well, I don't know how many cutaways they had, but but I think he would... He was watching the team develop, and he was watching the coach. So I, I think he was making up his mind about the coach. It took me a long time in the movie to be able to tell all the basketball players apart. Yeah, it takes a few viewings. They yeah. were so styled, so similar, and oh, yeah. similar builds and similar look. haircuts. They yeah. certainly got the like fifties fresh face looking. Oh my god! Yes, twenty four year old. Um, yeah, high play, school play in the sixteen year old. <laughs> yeah, and they could all play basketball at least in the style. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you because they looked pretty good, and they didn't. There were a lot of shots that they didn't cut, so you could tell they were actually making those baskets. And I figured they must have cast athletes to be actors because none of them have a really extensive IMDb. Yeah, the guy who played Dennis Hopper's son, he was in uh, Bull Durham, I think. As yeah, a he. Player. Yeah, I think he had the longest resume of all of them. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, they could all play, and I think they were they were basketball players, not actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them, I know Jimmy Chitwood was was not an actor. Um, he had maybe one more credit or something after yeah. that. But so two things when when he when he comes into the into the meeting, when Jimmy Chitwood comes into the meeting, one thing I I finally noticed upon this watching 
was he's dribbling the ball down the street to the meeting. And then when he walks in the door, he, he walks by the entire team. Of course, he hands the ball to Ollie because he's the equipment of manager. Of course. It's like, this is my basketball, but you, it's, it's now on your watch, Ollie. So I'll be coming back to you for this, for this ball later. And then, uh, and then the, the taking the measurements at Butler Fieldhouse, which is an amazing place. I would love to go watch a game there. Proving to the guys that, hey, 10 feet, 15 feet, the you're court's fine. Court. And, and they took off their street shoes before they walked on the court. No, and nobody said anything. <laughs> they just did it. I was like, this doesn't happen today because people don't give a shit about other people or, or their property. Or, you know? Mm-hmm. But those guys just went right into their socks and got the tape measure out. So that uh, that made an impression on me. I think that this movie is a a really good sports movie because it's not about the sports or it makes the sports interesting, I guess, because I don't care about basketball. But I thought that the that all the the final games were really thrillingly shot Mm -hmm. and you could see the stakes and see the drama. And I I thought that was probably why it's successful with a non basketball fan like me it's both about the sports and not about the sports that's weird yeah i don't know it's it's my favorite sports movie of all time and then but unfortunately the the guy who directed this uh went on to direct rudy which is um, <laughs> something that i your second wish favorite. i could like you know that movie yesterday where the beatles like didn't uh, exist yeah i want to i want to live want in that, that for world rudy? Oh dear, and, and like, I think it was one when they won the regional final or whatever, and it was a thrillingly triumphant moment. And I looked at the running time, and I was like, fifty more minutes <laughs> of this movie. How are they going to do that?" And those fifty minutes went by uh-huh. in a snap. It was really interesting. Although they did when they got to the state, the championship game or whatever. I was like, oh, look, the black guys are here. I knew we must have some black people in this movie about basketball somewhere. In the 50s, though? But in the cities, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel I mean, realistically, yes, but movie land, I don't know. Yeah, the whitewashing of that sport, even in the 50s, was a little strange. The other thing I have, other question that I have here is, do small town sheriffs never go off duty? Because that sheriff went to all the games and he was there at the championship game and he was wearing his uniform and the badge and everything. I kind of grew up thinking that sheriffs were like always like that because that's always how they are in movies, but I've never, ever seen it in real life. I have no idea yeah, like, who the sheriff is. Like if you, if you go up to the, the big city, not your city, to go watch a basketball game, can't you just right. put on a pair of khakis and a, yeah. and a polo? And a and... flannel jacket or something. <laughs> so, Why you got to be wearing your uniform? Do you have anything else in your closet? <laughs> it's a lot of tan. Come on, guys. <laughs> One thing that I that I know about this movie that, that amazed me was Gene Hackman thought it was going to be a disaster. He thought his career was going to be over. There's a scene, it's during the uh, the winning montage Wait, oh, oh, sorry, when the team is just starting to get it, they're, they're starting to figure out his passing game and, and you hear the music swelling. And they're, 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 they're sweeping up and down the court and you see Gene Hackman and Shooter 
and uh, Gene Hackman leans over and says something to Shooter, and Shooter laughs. I found out that what he what he was leaning over and saying to Dennis Hopper was, "I hope you invested wisely because our careers are over after this movie." <laughs> and for a guy, I love Gene Hackman, and for a guy to have been that off about the movie and his performance in it, because he was incredible in this movie, and he's great in everything, but he carried this movie. Big time. I mean, he's my favorite Lex Luthor, for sure. <laughs> he was, man, you forget about how much great stuff this guy's done. But he, this was his movie, he carried it, and he hated it. So our question of the week, and uh, you want to you wanna load that one up? The, oh, what yeah. Is it again? Our question of the week for you, dear listeners, is what's your favorite <laughs> Midwest, East, North, Central movie? <laughs> you know, that area. <laughs> Um, One answer only, please. Yeah, no cheating. As as we mentioned before, that means Ohio, Indiana, non-Chicago, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Oh, let me give my Wisconsin honorable mention just real quick because we didn't get a Wisconsin movie in here. Was that uh, when I was talking to my brother Carl and I was telling him that this was the region that we were covering on this show – he uh, gave me a great Wisconsin movie. You know, we haven't talked about documentaries here because I think as a group, our tastes don't run to documentaries. And so they don't necessarily come to mind. But he brought up American movie, which I haven't seen, but am familiar with. And anybody who is a listener to TBTL will be familiar with because Luke talked about it constantly and it's the documentary about the guy who was going to trying to make uh his own movie that he called coven mispronouncing the word coven all the time (laughs) and it's the one where he has his uh the uncle in the movie he's doing it's okay it's all right right. it's okay got something to live for. Oh, it's so hard to listen to. It's so it's so great. I, I love yep. stuff like that. So it's all about this rank amateur trying to make a movie. And um, my brother said it's great. Everybody that I've heard from that has uh, seen it is great. So, guys, the other movie I suggested from Wisconsin was Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer, Yikes. the killer within. So <laughs> this mm. is an improvement on that. So that's that's a Wisconsin. So come to us with some Wisconsin movies please, along with the rest of the Midwest, East, North, Central. (laughs) Uh, Meredith, you have the shameless Amazon plug of the week. I do. This one was a reach because none of us have bought anything, but I did buy a thing that was effective. I'm saving this story for, we got to do a pet show sometime because there's a lot of stuff I got to talk about with Bear here and I need some support. Um, But he has been a little nervous. And so I bought, I talked to the vet and she recommended as part of a whole suite of things, but to give him melatonin treats. And I've tried to do this in the past and they always like put it in their mouth and then spit it out. They're like, I don't like this. Mm. Um, so it's been really hard to find the, a treat that they like. Gummies? <laughs> I hear if you make them gummies. I should try that. Everybody likes those. Hmm. Hmm. Good idea. Well, I found these melatonin treats. They're very, very low in melatonin, but they seem to calm them down. They're by Nature Vet, Quiet Moments, Calming Aid for Cats, plus melatonin, 60 soft chews, helps reduce stress and promote relaxation. Great for storms, fireworks, travel, and grooming. 
the ratings aren't great on this, but is that like a cat thing? Like you were saying, like cats are so picky that their ratings on these products are never going to be. Oh yeah. I'm sure that half the negative ratings are like, my cat won't eat it. Yeah. Zero. (laughs) Zero stars. (laughs) It sucks. Okay. Well, it's a cat treat. It's. I mean, I haven't tried them yet, but they look delicious. Yeah. (laughs) Five (laughs) stars. If you're having trouble dropping off. Yeah. So that's that's our that's our plug of the week. If you have a stressed out cat who's stressed out for no reason, try these. Yeah, what does he have to worry about? He doesn't even have to pay rent anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Whether or not you're going to turn on the faucet, you know? What... The sus- the suspicion is that he sees like there, you know, there are there are woodchucks outside, there's possums, there's tons of stray <laughs> cats. The vet asked if I moved oh. a piece of furniture. Like I guess that can set a cat off. <laughs> It's like, give me a break. And, what? Yeah. And I was like, how am I supposed to control the Move it back. wild uh, animals no, no. outside? I can't. And she's like, well, you could block off the windows. I'm like, no, I'm not. What am I? Foil on all my windows? Are you kidding me? What? So he's getting melatonin. I'm drugging my cat because he's being ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's like when they used to put like a little whiskey on a rag or something yes. and <laughs> put it under some kid's face to put him to sleep. Exactly. He gets these like panic attack things. Um, so I think there's something wrong with his brain. Um, but this seems mm. to be helping him stay calm. So That's good. Yeah. When you have claws like that, you need to remain He's very, calm. he's a dangerous weapon. Yeah. 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 Our little guy is too, man. Yeah. So so give these a try. Um, I took housekeeping because there's a scene in Tommy Boy where he's knocking on the door going, housekeeping. <laughs> I already marked it to pull yeah. <laughs> off of good, YouTube. Good. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. Come back in an hour. Housekeeping, you want towels? Want towels. Need sleepy. Housekeeping, you want men for pillow? Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God. Housekeeping, you want me to jerk you off? What kind of hotel is this? Oh, it's you. Um, so please check out our merch at thisshowhaseverything.com. <laughs> Click the shop button, rate and review us. Add that Amazon link for those quiet moments, calming aid, cat treats, plus melatonin to your phone home screen. And we get a little piece of the action every time you shop on Amazon. Well, I don't know how much more involved y'all could be than, than this past week, but uh, you can go to this show has everything.com. You can uh, go to throwyourphone.com or I'm sorry, send a message to throwyourphone.com. Our Facebook group is on fire. I think we have more more responses sometimes than we have actual followers of our Facebook group. It's insane. <laughs> well, Phyllis put 50 there, comments on there herself. Right, so, yeah. right. That's true. Well, well, Phyllis, it was good seeing you that last time that i saw you i don't have to last uh a show twitter is at tishy show uh email us at tishy at 10710.com send us a voice memo you can fax bobby your butt at 617-354-8513 thanks for joining us and that was everything we really did it this week mm-hmm. everything about the rust belt <laughs> When I was just a little
what she